this. If we want our faith to grow, we must learn to be faithful. We must learn to be faithful. Let's pick right back up at verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Right there it is, right? The disciples recognize. They're, they're saying, okay, this is good stuff. What Jesus is teaching us about forgiveness, help us, Lord, help us to grow in our faith. And that's what they're asking. The apostles are saying, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to deepen our faith. Verse 6, so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Oh, let's pause there. A faithful servant doesn't expect some special recognition for doing what they're supposed to do, right? I mean... That's what a faithful servant does. They do it because this is what they're supposed to do. In fact, here where it says we are unprofitable servants. So the word unprofitable, it means to owe, you, you owe us nothing else. You owe us nothing else. Just basically we're serving and you don't, you don't owe us anything in addition. Uh, nothing extra is necessary. But isn't that interesting? Because when I, when I stop and I start to think about that, no one owes us anything more. Doesn't that really tie right back into the idea of forgiveness? So here we are. We, we've looked at forgiveness, and now we have this idea of faithfulness. And this idea of faithfulness is saying, you don't owe anything else to us. Look, I'm serving faithfully, and nothing else is necessary. You know, we... Uh, last week, we looked at a, a trilogy of parables uh, where the older son had an attitude of, uh, I deserve more, right? That was kind of his attitude about it. Uh, he was uh, miserably obedient to his father. He stayed, but he was miserable doing so. And that's not the proper attitude for the Christian, is it? I mean, when we think about it, it's, you know, that's... Uh, if you're miserably obedient, you're missing the joy of serving. So what do we, what do we see here? Well, serving the Lord is, is, is a delight. It shouldn't be a, a duty or a burden. Our obedience flows from our love for him. So we should ask ourselves then, where can you demonstrate your faithfulness to the Lord? Not because you, you want to gain something, not because you have some... Uh, ulterior motive of, of gaining something else. No, 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 no. Serving, uh, unprofitable. No one owes me anything more. Nothing else. That is the heart. That's the attitude of faithfulness. Not because you want to gain something, but rather because you want it as an, as an act of worship. So as we think about those things, we, we begin then with forgiveness. And then we have this idea of faithfulness 
Jesus is teaching them to, to serve faithfully. And let's keep going. Key point number three. If we want our faith to grow, we must learn to be grateful. We must learn to be grateful. Look at verse uh, 11, 11 and following. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. So here again, it's telling us what? It's reminding us that Jesus is on his journey. He's heading to Jerusalem. He's, he's done this ministry in Galilee and now in Samaria. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him, there met him 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. So these guys recognize they have to keep their distance, right? These are, these are people who have leprosy. They're, they're keeping their distance. They're probably outside the village, and they're staying far away. It says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You've got to get this idea of when it says lifted up their voices, that they're yelling, they're shouting, because they're so far away. They're trying to keep their distance from Jesus and trying to be respectful of him. And they're keeping their distance, and now they're shouting out and saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, so when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. I love that little parenthetical thought, right? It's like, by the way, he was a Samaritan. You know, and by the way, this, is, this, isn't some, this isn't a parable. This is an actual event. This is not a story, an illustration. This is, this is an actual event. So he's saying, by the way, you remember what Jesus told us about the, the, the good Samaritan? This guy was a Samaritan. He was the one that came by and actually gave thanks. He was a Samaritan. So Jesus, verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now let's pause there for a moment. At this point, we should be asking ourselves a question. If you've been in my hermeneutics class, there's a couple of things that we talk about and in hermeneutics about observations that can be made. And anytime you start to see a list of things, anytime you start to see uh, a list, and here we're starting to see a list developed, right? We're seeing a list of, of forgiveness and faithfulness and thankfulness, and we're seeing this list being developed. When we start to see a list developed, we should ask ourselves this next question. How are they connected to each other? How are they connected? What, what, what do they all have in common? What is, as this list develops, is there, a, is there a digression? Are things getting worse from one to the next to the next? Are things getting better from one to the next to the next? Is, does one demand that it happens prior to the other? In other words, is there a sequence to this list? Does number one have to happen first? Does number two have to happen? Does number three? And in my observation, here's what I figured out. I'm looking at this. And I'm seeing this list begin to develop, and I'm seeing forgiveness and faithfulness and thankfulness 
And I, I thought, okay, we definitely have a list of things that's happening. And then I thought, this is sequence. This is sequence. One has to happen before the next one can happen. In other words, if you want to grow in your faith, hear me on this, you can't start out with just having a heart of gratitude. Uh, uh, gratitude. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to be thankful today. You have to what? You probably have already gone through some hardship and had to experience some forgiveness first. So I, what I started to see was there is a sequence here. There is a sequence of events that in order for us to grow in our faith, we're never going to get to two and three and four if we never address forgiveness. If you can't get past that one, if you can never get to the point where you can forgive others, forget going on to step two. Forget moving into faithfulness. Because you've got to address the issue of forgiveness first. And once you address the issue of forgiveness, then you can move to faithfulness. Once you're addressing faithfulness and you're serving faithfully, then you can do what? Then you can develop a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. So there, what I started to see was not just a list, but a list that was sequential in its movement and necessary to begin here, then here, then here, and then eventually we're going to, get to, we're going to see a fourth one that's added to this list. But we're never going to grow in our faithfulness if we don't learn to forgive others. We're never going to grow in our thankfulness if we first don't learn to, learn to serve without personal motive of gain. So there is this progression. But consider this possibility. In the previous chapter, chapter 16, Jesus addresses issues of financial stewardship. So here's what, I, here's what I'm, as I'm, I'm mapping all of this out in my mind and paper, and I'm thinking through all of these passages, and I looked at the previous chapter, chapter 16. Jesus is addressing issues of financial stewardship. In other words, you can't serve, this is where he says you can't serve God and money. You got to make a choice. You can't serve God and money. You got you to figure out who's going to be your God. Is money going to be your God, or is God going to be your God? Who, who are you going to serve? can't have two gods. You're, you're going you're gonna to serve one and despise the other. Well, I believe that these lessons flow from the parable of the lost son. Think about it. So what did, we, what did we see earlier about the parable of the lost son, chapter 15? You may remember uh, the parable of the lost son. There were two sons. The word that's associated with the younger son was wasted, right? He went out, he got his inheritance, and he did what? Wasted. The word associated with the oldest son was spent. I spent my whole life here. I spent all this time doing this, and I spent all my time doing this, and not once did you do this for me. I spent, I did all of this. Well, here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to notice. The younger son wasted his inheritance. The older spent his whole life working for his dad. And it occurred to me, these are two ways that people often go through life. Think about it. How do you go through life? Some people say, they get, to a, they get to an age and they say, you know, I realize now, looking back, I wasted my life. I wasted my life doing this. I wasted it on this. I wasted my life. I wasted it, wasted it, wasted it. 
Some are like the older son. They, they come to a certain point in their life and they go, I spent my life doing this. I spent my whole life at work. I spent my whole life focused on this. I spent my whole life. And I thought, is, is this the dichotomy? Is that all there is? Is that all the, the choices that we have? We can either end up saying I wasted my life or I just spent my life. I think there's a third option. I think there's a third option. And this is the option that we're getting to. And this is, this is where Jesus is headed because I think there is a better option that we don't get to a point in life where we can say, I just wasted my life or I just spent my life doing whatever. Wouldn't it be a better option if you get to a point and say, you know what I did? I invested my life. I invested my life. That's a better option. It's a much better option. I want you to get to some point in your life where you're saying, I wasted my life doing this. I don't want you to get to a point in your life where you're saying, I spent my whole life doing this. I want you to, to begin now to say, you know what? I'm going to invest my life. And at no point do I want to come back later and look back and say, I wasted it or I spent it doing this. But rather you can say, I invested my life. I think the Samaritan that's in this passage understands that he has been given an opportunity to invest his life. Think about this. He doesn't want to waste this opportunity. What happens to the Samaritan? Ten of them were healed of leprosy. Ten of them. One of them had a different response. He did what? Listen, listen to it again, verse 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. There it is. Returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Listen, a heart of gratitude changes course. A heart of gratitude will change the course that you're on. It, it doesn't see the second chance as an opportunity to continue wasting your life. It doesn't see this second chance as an opportunity to just go on doing what you've already done, spending your life in a particular way. It changes course. This one guy, ten of them healed, one of them returns... That's the key there. The nine did not return. One of them returned. What's he doing in that return? He's saying, I don't want to waste my life anymore. I don't want to spend my life in regret. I want to do something different. And when he returned, he worshiped with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, and then gave, gave Jesus thanks. Isn't that interesting that that was what he did? That was, he changed course and he's no longer going to, he's no longer going to waste his life. He's no longer going to spend his life. He is now going to invest it. And how is he going to invest his life in Jesus? And what does he do? He gives to Jesus. He gives worship to Jesus. That's, he's investing. He's investing in Jesus. Look back at verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? 
Were there not any who found, any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the Samaritan, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I believe that this is a lesson in stewardship that builds on that same theme from the previous chapter. For example, if you're familiar with the word tithe, the word tithe means, if I were to ask you, what what does tithe mean? Most of us would say what? 10%. Give 10%. The, The biblical concept of tithe is not just 10%. A biblical concept of tithe is the first 10%. It is giving God the first 10%. Why? Why is that important? It was an act of worship saying, God, you are our highest and first priority. So when you give to God, you're, you're giving to God first and acknowledging him as your first priority. There's often a legalistic question. I get it every now and then. Uh, someone will ask this question about tithing. They're going to ask this question. Uh, should my tithe be net or gross? It's a legalistic question. I get that. But here's, there is an answer. There is an answer to that. And the answer is this. Who's first? Who's first in your life? Is Uncle Sam first in your life? Or is God first in your life? Who, get, who gets the first fruits of your increase? If, if God is first then you give to God 10%. You give to him before you give to anybody else. You give to him before Uncle Sam takes his. If you are giving after the fact, then you're saying Uncle Sam has priority. So it's a legalistic question, but I would say this. There is an answer. And I think that this event that happens here illustrates an even greater point. And that is this. Are you honoring God with the other 90% or just the 10 Jesus healed 10 people, but only 10% of them came and worshiped. And he's like, well, what about the 90%? What about the other 90%? Because I think sometimes we have this idea of that we, we, we think of it this way. 10% belongs to God, and then I have 90% to do what I want to with. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 10% is what you're going to give to the church, and 90% is not yours to do as you wish. I want you to honor me even in that 90%. In other words, that first one is an act of worship that happens at the beginning, and then we are to figure out how can we honor the Lord in the 90%. How can we continue to, to worship him? with everything else that remains. Why? Because all of it belongs to him. Every single bit of it belongs to him. It's all his. If we have any increase at all, it's because he has given it to us. So the 10% is his. And guess what? The 90% is not yours. The 90% is his, and we are to honor him with that 90%. It's why it's so important that we consider is everything that we're doing honoring him not just not just what we give uh, out of um, our tithes and, and offerings but what we do with everything that we spend so we should think that the 10 percent is an act of worship at the beginning and 90 percent as an act of worship in all things that follow